Welcome to the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast featuring Keith. We are three guys talking all things sports and sports gambling. Every episode, we put our money where our mouth is, sharing our locks of the week. Through 15 episodes, we are now 31, 32, and 2 overall after the holiday weekend. We had some trouble recording this episode, but fear not. We are here to hopefully make everyone some money and give you our analysis for the upcoming games this week. Let's go ahead and get right into it. I'm Zach. I'm Jack. And I'm Keith. Welcome back, boys. Episode 16, December 29th, 2020, our last episode of the year. I don't know why, but it feels like it's been a lot longer than a week since we last recorded. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but Keith and I were planning on recording another episode on Christmas Day. Um, That proved to be too ambitious for us. Keith's been dealing with stuff with his new house, and I'm just lazy. Christmas was a huge day for the favorites. Saints came through with a victory behind the back of Alvin Kamara. NBA favorites went 5-0 against the spread, but we'll get more into that shortly. I hope you guys had a good Christmas. Anybody get any cool presents? Got me a nice Zion Williamson Pelicans jersey that I'll probably never wear. I just got tanked for the most part. I do have a John Morant jersey coming in the mail. It's, it's not here yet. Shout out to Alibaba. But John got hurt on Monday, so hopefully it's not too severe because injuries are already hitting the Grizzlies pretty hard. But it was a good Christmas. Yeah, so the fiance was working all day on Christmas Day. I was just kind of left to my own devices, so I figured I'd surprise her by decorating the new house, getting some presents under the tree, throwing up some, uh, some mistletoe. Nice. Spent the whole day tricking out the new house, so it was a, a Christmas tree in the middle of an empty living room and just kind of nothing else going on in the house, but uh, it, it was a good time. Uh, got a bunch of gift cards and stuff, get the uh, the new projects going. So between doing that all day and yeah, I was just way too pooped to record on Christmas Day, so that was a big fail on our part. We didn't want to record and then our editing team put out something that wasn't up to par in terms of quality for us, so it's just better to just leave it be. Still got this episode coming, so we're sticking true. To, to our Monday night, early Tuesday recording, which we've you know been doing for a while, so that's good. Should we go ahead and move into college football, boys? Let's do it. College football, like I just said, bowl season at the moment. We are heading into the college football playoffs. Uh, I'm not going to lie, bowl season at this point, for me, has been pretty uneventful. First six bowl games, guys, were all double-digit victories, and every underdog that covered won their game, excluding UTSA versus ULL. We're seeing a lot of players opt out for bowl season, as well as your typical number of players missing time due to COVID. We're also seeing a number of games being canceled. Clearly, the college football playoffs are going to still go on no matter what. The Heisman finalists have been announced. It's going to be Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Devontae Smith, and Kyle Trask. I was glad to see they booted Trask in there because I think he, as far as numbers go, had had one of the best seasons in college football this year. He's got three losses. His number's really good, but the three losses are probably going to keep him from winning the award. He's around plus 2,000 odds right now. But yeah, Devontae Smith's sitting at around minus 200, and behind him is his quarterback, Mac Jones. So like you said last week, Trevor Lawrence could sneak in and take the Heisman if voters are split between Bama players and they're voting a little bit. But Devonta Smith's leading the way now, and I would like to see a wide receiver get it. I think that'd be really cool and good for kind of college football as a whole. So hopefully Devonta Smith wins it. We will find out here in about a week and a half. Starting to seem like that's going to be the case. You know, I was going for the, the Trevor Lawrence storyline, thinking, uh, you know, the people are probably going to put him in. But I think storyline in terms of having a wide receiver win it for the first time. And I think all of our adult lives, 100%. But what was the last time a receiver won the Heisman? Like 91, something like that? Desmond Howard, yeah, when, when he won it for Michigan. January 91 or the 91 to 92 season? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, we were either not born or we were very young, so yes. I wasn't even thought up yet, so 
wasn't even a seed. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that'll be pretty cool. Kyle Trask, I think it's more of a sorry that you got screwed over by a cleat. We're going to invite you to go to the Heisman ceremony on Zoom or whatever they're going to do this year. <laughs> and then, you know, Mac Jones, he had a pretty good year. So, I don't know. Devontae Smith just carrying the stat load for him. I think it's going to be either him or Trevor Lawrence. But Zach did say, you know, he definitely said plus 1,000, but he told us prior plus 2000 the week before that so anyway let's go ahead and move on to some news for college football the music city bowl between missouri and iowa was canceled missouri had few covid cases pop up in their program and they ultimately decided to back out of the game and not play music city bowl is no more nashville's not getting a bowl game this year so the hawkeyes end their season a little bit earlier than they expected they were a 14 point favorite in that game so they can just go back to iowa city and party up and spread covid probably a little further their season's done for the year pretty unfortunate that that game was canceled but recaps there really wasn't that many bowl games to go over but there is one game that we have to touch up on guys we're just going to go ahead and make it our wtf game of the week because the ending was pretty wild curable on december 26 liberty defeated coastal carolina chanticleers unfortunately 37 to 34 in overtime boys i i didn't get a good chance to watch most of this game i'm not gonna lie i took a nice little nap during the first half so if y'all want to catch me up a little bit i did get to see the tail end which is when shit got good so yeah, I actually didn't watch much of this game either until the very end. You traitors. WTF. <laughs> I was busy doing home stuff, man. It, it, the home stuff doesn't stop. <laughs> no, that's fair. Y'all, y'all both had good, uh, good reasons to not be watching it. This game was a banger, though. I, I had a good reason. At kickoff, the line was Liberty plus 7, and the money line odds for the Flames were plus 220. The over-under line was set at 60. If you were a better for any of those, you were a winner. Yeah, guys, so Liberty jumped out to a 14 nothing lead early in this one. It was kind of back and forth from there. Coastal got back into it, and they were trading blows throughout the, the next couple quarters. And then the fourth quarter, things started to get really interesting. About five minutes left in the game, Coastal took the ball down eight. It was a great drive led by Grayson McCall. Six plays, 72 yards, but they did it in just over two minutes. They did convert the two-point conversion, so it was a tie game, but they left three minutes on the clock for Liberty to get down the field and score, and Liberty did in fact drive down the field with ease. Liberty had the game within reach. They had it basically sealed. They had first and goal, but they had left a little bit too much time on the clock as well. Hugh Freeze decided that they were not going to score right away. Second and goal, another halfback dive. Running back fumbles the ball at the goal line. Postal recovered. So now it's a tie game, 34-34. So on first down, the running back just stood there in the backfield, went down as the Coastal Carolina players realized that they wouldn't be able to let him score because the Coastal defense was just standing straight up. The offensive line straight up pulled him back, like on the second one. I know for a fact. I thought that was funny. Second down, the coastal players rushed the running back and dragged him to the uh, to the end zone. When it looked like he was going to score, uh, the ball somehow popped out at the end of the play. On replay, it looked like he crossed the plane, but there was no definitive camera angle to overturn that play as called on the field. So they had to stick with uh, Liberty fumbling on the goal line to give it back to Coastal. And then from there, Coastal just ran out the clock and we headed to overtime. It's kind of like the opposite of the bush push. Defense was trying to pull him in and the offensive line was trying to pull him out. WTF. <laughs> but also too, like if you're not trying to score, then like why not just kneel it? Yeah. You know? Why even let the running back have to make the decision of what to do? Like you're the coach. Hugh Freeze. Like if you don't want them to score, tell your quarterback to fucking kneel. And if you want to score, hand the ball off. Makes no sense. 
but you know, it just would have been ridiculous. Like, I mean, they won the game versus Virginia Tech earlier in the season on some late game shenanigans. And so like kind of felt like, oh fuck, this is gonna come back and bite them in the ass. Yeah, overtime was was a little bit weird as well. Liberty got the ball first. They did not get a first down, so they sent out the field goal kicker, made it no problem. So they were up 37 to 34. Coastal's turn with the ball. I think it was second down and 10. Grace McCall threw a pass over the middle, and it, it looked like pretty obvious PI. The refs were pretty bad this entire game, and it was kind of both ways, but this one obviously really hurt Coastal, and they had to try for a field goal as well. Liberty ended up blocking that kick and took the victory. 37-34. This game was pretty wild. I think we all leaned Liberty cover in this game because we thought you know, a full touchdown underdog was, was a little strange for a team that only lost one game all year and played really well. We have been about board the Sean's bandwagon as well, so it was definitely a really good game, the best bowl game so far. Malik Willis and Grayson McCall are big-time gamers. I think Grayson McCall has got a, a really bright future ahead. Talked to my brother on the phone this weekend, and he said, LSU needs to get that boy to transfer in a couple of years. <laughs> I thought that was funny. He was a redshirt freshman this year, and just to see the poise that he had all season was pretty miraculous. So see the Liberty come out and win that game. I don't think we were as surprised about that. Plus 220 money line odds were a little bit generous. You know, seven-point spread just seemed a little bit generous as well. So I actually was on uh, the over in this game, and the Liberty plus seven. Really, really good game. Congrats to both teams on great seasons and uh, i would love to just see this matchup develop into a rivalry i think it'd be really good i have no congrats to issue and the shots were robbed they're still number one in my heart yeah they're definitely number one in my heart but i think maybe next episode would be cool we'll do a little zach and jack sports betting top 10 poll or something like that where we all get our own votes and we can all put ohio state at number 11 but we'll, we'll worry about that in episode 17 like i said congrats to the flames and to the shots for great seasons it's really all we want to touch up on in terms of bowl games go ahead and move on to this coming week before we get into the college football playoffs let's go over a couple crappy bowl games that are going to be involved in our locks of the week this week on december 31st in the the offer pad arizona bowl never heard of offer pad but apparently they got money they can start sponsoring bowl games the ball state cardinals will be facing off versus the number 22 san jose state spartans in an epic matchup of conference champions that no one predicted ball state is six and one this year and san jose state is still undefeated ball state is a 10 point underdog in this game and that is going to be my lock this week ball state plus 10 lock it up san jose state actually is amazing versus spread they are currently 6-0-1 this year san jose state has also won their last five games all by at least 10 points goes to show you where vegas is getting the number for this line but versus two teams that are both conference champions but i'm really liking this team averaging 34.3 points per game versus san jose state's 30 points a game granted san jose state's defense is only giving up 17 but i think i think the ball state offense should be able to put up some production see this game being closer to a five or six point win or loss for either team actually so far in the bowl season it's made a lot more sense to just bet underdog straight up if they're covered they're winning for the most part 10 points is a large enough gap that i think it's pretty safe gotta ride with the team in the mac for a bowl game ball state plus 10 is going to be my lock this week going against the podcast darling san jose state spartan can't believe it, Jack. Hey, man. It just seems to me a lot of times when a team is doing very good in terms of uh, against the spread record, seems like it kind of corrects a little bit. A lot of people are kind of overestimating the number of points that San Jose State can win by. I think it should be a good game, to be completely honest. If I do happen to lose, it'll be a fitting end to 2020 for college football. We started off hot, and it's kind of gone south, but we're going to ride with the Cardinals. So in another game, that's probably not that important. Zach, what is your college football lock this week? It sounded kind of asshole <laughs> it sucks doesn't matter but uh what are you thinking 
<laughs> no. no, this is definitely not probably the game that these two teams wanted to be in at the end of the year. I know Cincinnati in particular probably was hoping for some sort of outside shot of the college football playoff bid. Ultimately, that did not happen. So I'm going to the Peach Bowl, Cincinnati versus Georgia. I know Cincinnati was a little bit of a podcast darling too. Jack, you've liked them a lot this year. It's been successful betting them a few times, I, I believe. Yeah, until that one time where they fucked me. Until that time where they fucked you over. And I am going with Georgia here. Georgia's minus seven. Ever since JT Daniels has been starting at quarterback, they've been a completely different team. The offense has been on fire since. Georgia's only two losses this year to Florida and Alabama. Obviously, those two teams are really talented. I don't think Cincinnati has near the offensive firepower as, as those teams. Everybody else, Georgia's beat pretty handily. Cincinnati obviously has a lot to prove, and they want to show people that they deserve a shot at the college football playoff, but I don't think they're going to have the weapons to stay punch for punch with Georgia here. I'm taking Georgia minus seven. That's a New Year's Day game, Peach Bowl. I do hope that this game stays close. I wouldn't even be upset to see Cincinnati win this one, but you know, for betting purposes, I'm, I'm taking Georgia and lock it up. That's my college football lock this week. I gotta agree with you on this one, Zach. I think this is probably one of the other lines that I was probably leaning towards myself. College football and the NFL have just gotten so tough to get spreads and handicap at this rate. I think an SEC defense versus a Cincinnati team that coming off kind of an emotional victory in their conference championship game. They will probably come out playing hard, maybe at least in the first half, but if Georgia does pull away. It wouldn't surprise me either. So good pick. I like it. Keith, what's your college football lock for this week? Well, fellas, these lines are tough. I think the surest thing would probably be Alabama minus 19 and a half. But I can't lock against the Irish in that kind of fashion. So I'm just going to fade college football this week in terms of lock. There's some bets that I like out there, but nothing that I feel confident enough to lock up this week. And like you said, Jack, the lines have just gotten so tough of late that there's nothing that I am 100% sold on to the point where I want to put my gorgeous lock record on the line for that gorgeous it was a lot prettier a couple weeks ago it looks like it got beat with a baseball bat across the face i feel you you don't want to like go into 2021 with like a 500 record like us that's cool understandable i know you with that poor poor record is not you are not talking to me about my lock record which is still well above 500 i want to hear it like yeah 600 uh yeah i think honestly that's see me and zach we kind of feel obligated i guess we've been doing the podcast 16 episodes now it's crazy but it, it's a different strategy you know i like keith's method of if he doesn't feel confident he doesn't lock it whereas i kind of just feel necessary that it, i have to pick game lock totally cool we will have one more week of college football there will only be one game next week of the national championship so maybe Keith can come through with a lock for that one. But moving into the college football playoffs, both games on Friday, we are looking at the Rose Bowl, Notre Dame versus Alabama. Notre Dame currently is a 20-point underdog in that game, and the over-under is at 66, the largest semifinal spread in the history of, of the college football playoffs. I think last time Alabama and Notre Dame played, it was 42-14. to 14. In that one, Alabama covered the 20, and with their high-powered offense, they probably could do it here. Hate to say it, Keith, probably like Alabama. I just can't touch a 20-point spread. Alabama money line seems virtually a lock. Dog walking teams right now, Zach likes to say. That's probably a line I got to stay away from myself. Any chance Notre Dame can pull off the victory here, Keith, in your mind? Is there like even a 1% hope that it could actually happen, or is that going too far? None. I'll speak for Keith. <laughs> I would say there's always a chance, given there's been no interconference play among the major football conferences. But realistically, nah. <laughs>
Yeah, I agree with Keith. I could see Notre Dame covering the 20 just because Florida just covered. So I could see Notre Dame keeping up a little bit. Bama's defense isn't as good as saving teams of old, but like we've touched on before, the offense is, is on point, and I don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to win this game. I could just see him potentially covering. Yeah, like you guys have said, this is kind of a stay-away game for me. It's a game that we'll probably all watch for sure, but not a game that we're looking to have a ton of action on. 100%. We And like we've mentioned before, too, we expect – Clemson and Alabama to move on, match up in the national championship once again. You know, I think Bama's going to win this game, but stay away from the spreads and the and over-under in this one. Clemson will be facing off versus the Ohio State Buckeyes in the Sugar Bowl also on Friday, January 1st. Currently, Ohio State is a 7.5-point underdog in that one, and the over-under is pretty much spot-on with the other game at 66.5. Clemson is 4-0 all-time against Ohio State. Clearly, Daba has very little respect for the Buckeyes. Definitely should be a more interesting matchup, probably a little bit closer than the uh, Notre Dame-Alabama game, if I had to guess, but who knows? We've seen enough crazy stuff happen in the past couple of weeks, so maybe Clemson comes out blowing Ohio State out or maybe Ohio State sneaks a little three-point win out somehow. So I think that's probably one we're a little bit more interested in in terms of a good matchup. But if I had to lean either direction, Clemson minus seven and a half is probably the way I'm going to go. The way that they played versus Notre Dame. Seems like they kind of have something to prove. Trevor Lawrence doesn't win the Heisman. You know, this will be a good little game where he can kind of say, hey, fuck you guys. I proved everyone that I should have been the guy. I'm the fucking goat. That's going to be the college football playoffs. Should be exciting to watch, even if either of the games are blowouts. I'm sure, we'll all be tuned into those ones. Uh, there are a couple other bowl games. We don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on them, but is there any other games that y'all are kind of leaning or looking at? Maybe make some bets on that you're not quite locking? I'm at least interested in watching the Cotton Bowl between Florida and Oklahoma. Florida opened as a three-point favorite in this game, but they've moved all the way to a three-point dog because they have players opting out. Kyle Pitts has already declared for the NFL, and he's not going to play in this game. Cornerback Marco Wilson, the cleat thrower, also has opted out of this game. They may have a few others as well. Why am I not surprised that he said, I don't want to play anymore? I mean, his teammates might actually be happy that he's not playing. The line is is a little bit weird to me right now. It's not something that I would bet, but I actually did put OU into a teaser. As soon as they dropped some of the bowl game lines, I I made a a few bets because at the time they were plus three, and I just kind of liked them to to cover at least nine or so and be within a touchdown. So All the key scores. Exactly. I moved them through the seven and the nine. So got OU to plus nine and a half on that teaser. I obviously didn't expect the opt-outs to happen. This is kind of a terrible year to be betting bowl games early like that, especially in parlays and teasers, just because of all the circumstances with COVID and players declaring for the draft early that could happen. Wouldn't really recommend that strategy even going forward, but it worked out for me this time and I got OU all the way to plus nine and a half. At least that leg of the teaser seems like it'll be on point for me, but the over-under in this game 70. I am probably going to stay away from that just because I don't know how much Florida is going to want to be in this game at this point. At least looking forward to watch, seeing if both of these teams show up to this game. I think uh, you made a really good point, what you said about parlays. Uh, like we've talked about a number of times, you know, parlays probably aren't a long-term plus EV betting strategy, but definitely during bowl games, uh, stay away from betting parlays, if at all. Um, teasers probably as well. Uh, like Zach said, a lot of players opting out. There are still a number of players that are getting COVID. Also, just in terms of motivation, you know, you never really know what teams are going to show up and then what teams are just already tuned out, moving on the next year. So 
if you're going to bet games, look to do them straight up. Probably going to be a little bit more profitable with that strategy, but you know, you never know. Crazy stuff has happened. I personally probably like Florida, but you know, no Kyle Pitts. We saw that one game versus LSU went, and then the over-under, uh, 70 points is awfully high, but who knows? It's really hard to say, so I actually saw on FanDuel they were offering a promotion for this game, just trying to get more action on it, and I'm not falling for it. So yeah, I think this will be a good game to watch. I like um, Oklahoma plus nine and a half for you in your teaser. That leg seems pretty safe. Uh, another game that I think that I'm kind of keeping my eye on, I think maybe all as well, is the Liberty Bowl on December 31st, West Virginia versus Army. West Virginia is a seven-point favorite in that one, and the over-under is at 41 and a half. I was actually considering locking West Virginia and the under in this game. Uh, we saw the Army versus Air Force game. The over-under was at like 38 and a half and went way under. So I don't think Army's going to probably put up a lot of points versus West Virginia defense. And West Virginia's offense really isn't that good this year either. So game I'm kind of looking forward to. Might sprinkle a little bit of action on the under in that one, but not feeling good enough to lock that one. I actually have my eye on the Citrus Bowl between the Auburn Tigers and Northwestern Wildcats. Currently, Northwestern is a three and a half point favorite. And while their defense has been good this year, they haven't really faced any explosive offenses, uh, especially not with like SEC speed. They've faced vaunted offenses such as Illinois, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Nebraska. Not really battle-tested in terms of keeping points off the board. Meanwhile, on the other side, you got Auburn, you know, you have the Bo Nix experience, which, as has been noted, is a very up-and-down proposition. But with Gus Malzahn up out of the paint, maybe Bo Nix has finally been unleashed. So I'm thinking that Auburn will cover the three-and-a-half with ease, if not win the game outright. So I'm looking to play some action probably on that game as well. Lock it up. Lock it up. (laughs) See, the Bo Nix factor in all of that makes me a little shy about locking it up. Also, uh, of note, the lack of intra-conference play. There's just no measuring stick whatsoever between these conferences. So I'm not terribly confident in Auburn to cover that spread. But realistically, I think they should be able to do that pretty easily. I'm kind of glad you brought that game up because I hadn't really looked at it or thought much about it before just now, but Northwestern did just give up over 300 yards rushing to Trey Sermons. Auburn running back Tank Bigsby, who he's a true freshman, but he's been doing really well against good SEC. If they just gave up 300 plus yards to a running back, I could definitely see them having some troubles stopping him this week. So I kind of like that, that lean that you got. Also, his name is Tank, so how could you bet against him? Right. That's a great name. Very good football name. Guys, I think I actually, I think I got to give one more lock this week. 2020, let's go out with a bang. Oh, fuck it. Oh, shit. Here we go again. I'm going to drop one more. Fuck it. I got to improve that record while I still can, right? So I think I'm going to go to a game. Pac-12 versus Big 12 matchup. Oregon Ducks are playing the Iowa State Cyclones in the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State minus four and a half. It's just calling my name, guys. Iowa State's number six in the nation. They're eight and three this year. Not exactly the best uh, record against the spread. They are six and five, and Oregon is three and three. Could be a wash, but Iowa State's a good team. I think they're going to want to have something to prove after losing to Oklahoma, and then Oregon squeaking a win out against USC, team that we never really thought was good all season. Somehow we're still betting on. Don't understand that. So four and a half for a team that's in the top 10 versus an Oregon team that had to luck their way into the Pac-12 championship game. I think I got to ride with that. All the money is on Iowa State practically in this one. So maybe it's a trap. I got to go with my gut on this one. So Iowa State minus four and a half, lock it up. 93% of the money in this game is going towards Iowa State. 
even though they're only getting 61% of the bets. Line hasn't actually moved despite all of that money on Iowa State. Stayed consistently at four and a half. So double bonus college football lock. Keith isn't giving a lock. I got to fill in for him. Dropping that one for you guys. That one's going to be on Saturday. It's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So a little more action for you. Let's get this money, baby. Zach, if you want to give a real quick bonus lock, you know, UNC, always call on your name. You could drop a second one as well. Playing Texas A&M. Here are seven and a half point dogs and plus 260 money line odds. I swore off locking North Carolina long ago, probably for good reason, but I did kind of call them beat Miami, and I could potentially see them doing a similar thing against Texas A&M. Texas A&M obviously has been a good team all year. They only lost Alabama. They were salty about not being in the college football playoff, but I think North Carolina is going to show up to this game and, and really want to be there. I imagine Mac Brown's going to have his boys ready to go. Seven and a half. If they cover it, I think they're going to win. So I might put a little money on the money line or something as opposed to the spread. But I think they're either going to win by a couple touchdowns or lose by a couple touchdowns. That's about how I see this game going. So I'm not going to lock it, but I probably will put a little bit of action on it closer to game time. Couldn't convince Zach or Keith to come up with another lock, but so be it. Came through for you boys. 3-0 and for college football locks. Let's end the year on a good note. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for us for college football. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we will be right back with some NFL and NBA news for you. All right, guys, welcome back. What was supposed to be a 10-minute break ended up being a 10-hour break, but here we are. Let's go ahead and get right into the NFL. Quick recap of Week 16. Christmas Day, the New Orleans Saints played the Minnesota Vikings, and they won that game 52-33. to Saints were a 6.5-point favorite, and the over-under was at 50. If you bet the Saints and the over, those both hit pretty easily, in large part thanks to Alvin Kamara tying the NFL record with six rushing touchdowns. Just can't please Saints fans. Taysom Hill got one rushing touchdown, and sure enough, people were saying, Alvin Kamara should have had seven scores, but here we are. Can't please us. Unless we won the Super Bowl. I mean, to be fair, it was a 70-year-old record that Kamara tied and could have easily had with a walk-in touchdown uh, that Taysom Hill vultured and could have stood for at least 70 more years. Also, I'm a little bit salty because Kamara, in addition to that one that Hill stole, uh, could have had a receiving touchdown, but Drew Brees outpaced him just a little bit after Kamara beat a linebacker in coverage streaking down the right sideline that led to the Saints-only field goal. So, historic day for Kamara. Could have been even more historic for the man, but can't complain too much. 52 points is a, is a good thing on any day. Alvin Kamara pretty much hitting the over by himself, seemed like. A couple other games we want to go over real quick. All right, Keith, you and me, we're always talking good about the Saints, having our social media team send out lovely tweets for our fandom. Let's just give Zach's Bears a little bit of credit. On Sunday, they played the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they won that game 41-17. to The Bears were a 9.5-point favorite. The over-under was 47. Lots of Bears fans in attendance for this game, and it's pretty funny. The Jaguars fans were cheering every single time that the Bears scored. First time the Bears have scored 30 points or more, and four straight games since 1960 so good for them uh, looks more and more like y'all are gonna get stuck with Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy unfortunately but looks like playoff berth is definitely a potential at this rate Mitch has been playing pretty well for the most part. We've been putting up points. David Montgomery's looking really good. Like you said, it was the Jags on the other side. They're not trying to win anything this year. They want Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, now the Bears are set up for the playoffs. We need either a win against Green Bay this week or the Rams to beat the Cardinals, which both of those games are on backup quarterbacks, so that'll be interesting. If they tie that game, we also get the playoffs. But Bears won, and we have potential playoffs. So, yeah, like you said, Nagy and Mitch are probably here to stay for at least another year, which could be good could be bad 
Another game that has implications for our MVP futures. The Chiefs beat the Falcons 17-14. Atlanta was an 11-point underdog, and the over-under was at 54 in that game. Youngway Koo missed the game-tying field goal as time expired to send the game into overtime. Great team player missing that kick. Youngway Koo has actually had a really good season for the Falcons. I don't play fantasy, but I can imagine he's probably up there in terms of uh, production for kickers. Definitely not looking good for Patrick Mahone's futures. He was the outright favorite heading into Week 16. Was one other crazy game this week and what's going to be our NFL WTF game of the week. The Jets defeated the Browns 23-16. Browns were without four of their wide receivers and I heard on ESPN that they were actually running routes in the parking lot before the game. So I was kind of leaning towards Jets money line at plus 265. Keith actually kind of made me uh, think twice about that one. So didn't end up betting it, but I was totally considering it. To make the playoffs, the Browns have to beat Pittsburgh next week or need the Colts to lose and the Colts play Jacksonville so not saying that they're gonna win but Jacksonville did beat the Colts in week one which killed my winless futures bet Jacksonville not to win a game this year so fuck the Colts for that one that was some bullshit WTF yeah, back to the Browns at the Jets, I really thought that the Browns would have no problem with this, with their receivers being out, given that they're a run-first team. WTF Browns, Baker Mayfield threw 53 times, and Nick Chubb only had 11 carries for 28 yards. And based on how the Browns have been conducting their business this year, that is not a winning formula. So sorry for talking you out of that one, Jack. I had no idea that the Browns were going to deviate from their identity that much in this game and it blew up in their faces i mean it was just a couple weeks ago that we were talking about baker mayfield was good or not and sure enough proved us right that he's not that good big game situations he does not come through there were obviously a couple other games but it's really all we want to touch up on real quick let's go ahead and get right into our locks of the week this week guys zach what do you got for us guys will be pleased to know or maybe not so much because of the way my lock record is going but your beloved saints this weekend against the panthers where we got a lot of games with playoff potential in the afternoon slot this weekend they want to win this game they're going to be playing all their starters they're not going to be resting anybody but i'm taking the saints in the points the panthers a little bit better season than i thought they were going to i put the saints they're trying to get that one seed in the nfc and they could potentially do it so they got to take care of business against the panthers hell yeah teddy bridgewater's had a pretty good season against the spread but this game will give the Saints undefeated record versus the NFC South or so. I think that would be pretty cool. Looked pretty good last game, so they're playing hard. Lost that one game to the Eagles. Typical Saints lose to a team that they have no business losing to, but really like this pick, obviously. Would have felt good going for a homer bet for my last lock of the season, but here we are. So Real quick, we've got a quick caveat. Typically, we recommend waiting to bet underdogs and betting favorites early. Week 17, a little bit different. The bowl season, we've got some weird stuff going on in terms of how we should bet. Make sure with teams resting starters, COVID news, things of that nature. This might be one of those weeks where you just want to wait till kickoff. Saints, minus six and a half. Great lock, Zach. Can't lose that one. We put two units on that. Love it. Saints all the way. Hell yeah. Who dat? Uh, let's go ahead and move straight into my lock this week. Love the NFC West. It's pretty much the big 10 of the NFL. In that it's trash. Yeah, pretty much. In a game that could potentially determine the number one seed in the NFC, another reason why I'm liking this team to win and to cover, I am going with the Seattle Seahawks versus San Francisco 49ers. They are a five and a half point favorite in that one, and I am locking up, laying those points. CJ Bathard has been starting at quarterback for the Niners. Don't think he's exactly good. Niners, this season for the most part, have kind of focused on their running game. Seahawks defense has actually stepped up the past couple of weeks, so I expect them and the Saints to both come through with victories, as well as cover 
Auburn, just to kind of assert their dominance heading into the playoffs. Uh, this could be a trap game, don't get me wrong, guys, but I'm still feeling pretty confident. Seattle is getting 95% of the money on this game and 78% of the bets, so it looks like there is big money coming in from the public, which is usually never a good sign. I'm going to roll with it. Niners aren't that good. They did beat the Cardinals last week. Clearly, the Cardinals are not very good either. Seahawks are 4-1 in their last five games, so looks like a victory is definitely in sight. Seahawks minus 5.5. Lock it up. Keith, what is your NFL lock for Week 17? Boys, i got to fade the NFL this week. Like you said, Jack, there are a lot of teams with COVID news. Uh, the other two teams not mentioned in the NFC West are both starting backup quarterbacks in Week 17 while both competing for the playoffs. You have a lot of teams with nothing to play for. You have teams like the Chiefs who have locked up their seed and are going to rest their starters. A lot going on in Week 17, and nothing I feel confident enough to throw a lock on so i'm gonna fade the nfl there's a reason why you don't play fantasy in week 17 and i am applying that principle to my bets can't get a lock out of keith he's just got a roll in the 2021 that is fair like we have said you know a lot of crazy stuff week 17 that probably have no business winning our favorites real quick let's give a little bit of news from last week before we jump into the nba monday it was reported that ron rivera personally went to Dwayne Haskins to let him know that he was being released from the Washington football team. Dwayne Haskins, man, he is kind of falling off. Keith, I think it was you that sent the tweet that said this is the guy that beat out Joe Burrow for a starting quarterback spot at Ohio State, forcing him to transfer to LSU. Thank you, Dwayne Haskins, for that. Really appreciate it. But man, Michael Strahan was talking about him like a disappointed father. He had two COVID-19 protocol violations this year, so clearly he doesn't give a shit about that. Shame on you, Dwayne Haskins. Interesting to see what'll happen with his future. No, we were joking around saying, and, you know, be lucky if he ends up on a practice squad next year. Definitely didn't expect him to be released so soon. Neither starting quarterback will be available in the other NFC West game. Between the Cardinals and the Rams, Kyler Murray has been ruled out as well as Jared Goff, so neither of them will be playing in Week 17, so keep an eye out on those lines. They actually don't have an over-under available for that game at the moment, and it was off the board most of Monday and day, so. Also, NFL future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, after having a spectacular two-game winning streak with the New York Jets, is out for Week 7's future uncertain. A couple other games of importance also have playoff implications in the NFC East. Uh, Dallas and New York play. That game is going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Dallas is a, looks like a two-and-a-half-point favorite favorite as of the time of this recording. Miami will also play Buffalo on Sunday, same time slot, and Buffalo is a four and a half point favorite in that one. In the AFC North, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland, as we mentioned, Cleveland's actually a nine and a half point favorite. I guess Pittsburgh doesn't really have much to play for at this rate. We also have some other, you know, dud games that really don't matter. Cleveland actually just jumped to 10 points, so boy, is that great. <laughs> Also in the NFC East, Washington football team is playing at Philadelphia. Washington is a one and a half point favorite going into that game. Looks like Alex Smith's status is uncertain still. Yeah, the Washington football team, after the release of Dwayne Haskins, will be starting Old Dominion star Taylor Heineke if Alex Smith cannot go. Old Dominion. Could either of you on a map point out where Old Dominion's located? Because I sure as hell couldn't. Somewhere on the eastern seaboard. Pretty sure it's a basketball school. That should be interesting. Once we get into the playoffs, it'll be nice. Every single game will matter. So we won't have to really worry about trying to handicap if the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs resting their starters, things of that nature. We don't have to really worry about scenarios like that. So that'll be interesting. Uh, also, we'll be heading into the new year. So clean slate. Uh, guys, any other lines that you think are kind of interesting heading into week 17? I know I'm probably going to mostly fade the NFL, but you know, once game time comes around, start seeing some bets that get a little bit more appealing to me. 
The Jets are plus three and a half at the Patriots. There's talk of Jared Stidham starting that game for the Patriots since they have nothing to play for. So that might be an interesting proposition. Jets have a ton of momentum, but they are the Jets. So, you know, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> There's not really a whole lot of lines that I'm interested in. I mean, the, the Bears are six-point dogs, terrified of the Packers. So I'm I'm mostly going to be fading the NFL this week as well. It's just uh, anything can happen, as we've seen all year, but also Week 17 chaos with people sitting and all sorts of different scenarios. Mostly going to stay away from the NFL this weekend, I think, as well, besides the, the locks that we've mentioned already. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for NFL. Week 17 this week should be nice and interesting. A lot of games that have playoff implications. A lot of games that mean absolutely nothing. So looking forward to it. Going to watch it either way. Let's go ahead and jump into the NBA. It's been a crazy season so far. Christmas Day, we had five games. All five favorites covered against the spread. I actually gave a NBA lock last episode. I took the Nets laying five points versus the Golden State Warriors. Lock it up, baby. Because the Nets won that game 125 to 99. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving each only played 25 minutes that game, but they combined for 48 points. Score was 63 to 45 at halftime. Nice change of pace to have a lock that wasn't a sweat for once. A couple crazy things have happened in the NBA over the past couple of days. Like Zach mentioned, John Morant was hurt on Monday with an ankle injury, but his status is uncertain for upcoming games. Also, Carl Anthony Towns is injured for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That team's actually looked a little bit better than I had expected so far this season, but sure enough, looks like that's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to come up with wins. With him out of the lineup, Saturday, the underdogs went 8-2 against the spread and 7-3 straight up. This continued on Sunday with 6 out of 10 dogs covering the spread. And then Monday, a little bit more crazy action. So NBA, not really the easiest to handicap so far. Under almost all circumstances, you should wait to bet on games until lineups are confirmed. Uh, Unlike in football, where we recommend betting the favorites early, in basketball, if one player sets a game for quote-unquote rest, a line could drastically change with that news. I've already fallen in this trap this season in just a couple of games, seeing some lines that I like at night, and I wake up the next day, and Joel Embiid isn't playing, or Kyrie Irving is resting, things of that nature. So uh, make sure that you keep an eye on all of that information. Probably want to make sure that a team has a confirmed starting five before you make any bets. Also, while parlays are probably a bad play regardless, they're especially rough in the NBA in a regular year with an 82-game season. Too much crazy shit is bound to happen to happen to throw your money away with a parlay. Bet game straight up, and you'll most likely be a lot happier at the end of the year. Anything so far that you guys have noticed in terms of this NBA season? There has been some pretty good games so far. Keith, you had a chance to watch any NBA, or did the house take up too much of your time over this weekend? Dude, it was all house stuff all the time. Hardly watched any football. I had the Saints playing on the floor on my phone on Christmas Day while I was decorating, so... I haven't been able to, to catch any sports. Hopefully once we get this stuff out of the way, I'll be able to be more invested and give some better analysis for y'all. But since I'm off of work throughout this whole holiday season, it's just been full go on the home stuff. Real quick, a couple of uh, surprises so far this season. Celtics have actually started off 1-2. Uh, and two. They face the Indiana Pacers, who are 3-0 and oh on Tuesday. Pelicans are 2-1 and one so far. Number one in the Western Conference. So Brandon Ingram was the Western Conference Player of the Week. Sacramento Kings actually look pretty good as well. They played Denver on Tuesday, and they're a two-and-a-half-point dog, but they've actually been one of those teams that Vegas is not getting the numbers exactly right on, so keep an eye on them. Having said that, another little strategy that's probably important for betting on basketball, bet against the public in a lot of situations. A lot of lines are going to get dragged. Probably be unreasonable if the Lakers are playing like the Kings, something like that. Might see a line open up like six-and-a-half and move all the way 
way up to like 10 points. So might be an easy grab. Just wait on games like that. Um, another big injury for the Nets that I forgot to mention is Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be out for the season now with a partially torn ACL. So that is um, bad news for the Nets. It does look like for the Cavaliers, Kevin Love is actually out for three to four weeks with a calf injury, so Cavaliers actually look pretty decent to start as well. Andre Drummond has come through for that team. Colin Sexton is looking really good too, showing a lot of growth. For sure. Yeah, that team, it wouldn't surprise me if they somehow slipped into the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs. Don't really think we can give any locks for the NBA this week. Kind of had some issues with recording. Like I said, what was supposed to be a 10-minute break turned into a 10-hour break. Let's not. We're not going to drop any NBA locks, I don't believe. I got nothing for today. With our lovely editing team, probably won't be able to get this episode out in time to where we can give you a lock that is accessible. Kind of like last week, I uh, gave Nets lock. You know, we did post it on our Twitter, so follow us there. You cashed in. Hopefully, you can buy a house now, like Keith. Yeah, only lines available are for tonight, and I got nothing for that. Speaking of Twitter and social media in general, if you want to follow us, guys, our handle on Twitter, Instagram, and the Action Sports app are at ZNJSB Podcast. We post all of our locks there every week, as well as other miscellaneous information related to sports and sports gambling. We are now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you like what we have to say, guys, uh, we really would appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave us a rating. Any feedback, we really do appreciate. Always trying to get better at our craft, recording quality episodes for you every week. Happy New Year's, guys. Any New Year's resolutions? My New Year's resolution? To not bet parlays that have more than three legs. I'm not going to go full out and say no more parlays, because got to have that degenerate tingle every now and then. Not going to bet the 10-leg parlays anymore but my new year's resolution three leg parlays is my new max my new year's resolution is to keep my lock record above 500 starting out 2021 zero and zero so stay tuned for that but i plan on continuing my excellent trends that i've had thus far with my locks not surprised keith zach how about you i think my resolutions are going to be similar to y'all's it's going to be limiting parlays and teasers my plan this year is to is to win some money with these locks and and with my betting hopefully by the end of 2021 we can get DraftKings to come along leave us a nice endorsement we, we have a little bit more money to gamble that should be cool that's going to be another goal also i really just need to start doing a better job about actually keeping track of all of my bets i know keith's a big spreadsheet guy maybe i need to look into that the action sports app does a pretty good job i just sync my bets straight from a couple sports books but for whatever reason doesn't work with DraftKings yet so DraftKings, if you could somehow work with action that way i could just have all my bets tracked i'll probably make my life a little bit easier like we've said before now some handicappers are gonna give you lines for all kinds of sports and you just gotta be able to tell who's good at what clearly i'm an expert nba handicapper 1-0 on the season. Needed that lock win after we had a bad week the week prior. But here we are. 2020 is finally a wrap, guys. This is going to be our last episode of the year. We will be back, guys, for episode 17. Looking forward to catching up with you guys next week for the College Football National Championship on January 11th. Looking forward to seeing Alabama play Clemson in that one. Should be a great weekend of sports betting and football, guys. I'm Zach. I'm Jack. And I'm Keith. Thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week for another great episode. Thanks again for listening. May all your bets prosper. Peace. Deuces.